Hey y'all, welcome to the Jefferson College Podcast. We're so glad y'all are here listening with us. We are the college ministry at Jefferson Baptist Church, and each week we'll post a sermon from our college worship service. Here's this week's sermon. How's it going, y'all? Okay, I don't, I don't know if that was good or bad, but like, it sounds okay. Y'all sound like you're doing all right. Y'all making it? Doing well? School's going okay? No? Okay, that's fine. Uh, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but uh, guys, I am so excited y'all are here tonight as we continue our series, as we continue the series, Who is Jesus? Um, as we look at the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. We have a special something happening tonight. We're actually going to be looking at two I am statements. Um, so we're doubling up. It's going to get crazy. Uh, be excited about it. Um, and we're talking a lot about sheep. Y'all cool with that? Man, sheep are just utterly useless animals. Like, I mean, like, I'm telling you, I've done a lot of research about sheep over the past week, and they just, they struggle. Like, they don't really have a lot going for them except their wool. Outside of that, they're helpless creatures. Like, they need a shepherd. They have no defense against predators. Like, they either, they just get eaten. Like, that's, like, all they can do or, like, try to run away, but they're really slow. So, like, it doesn't help uh, that. They're very dumb. Um, They aren't very smart, like, I'm telling you, they just aren't. And, like, as they walk, right, like, they get in these habits of, like, they'll walk down the same path, even if there's no food around, looking for food, even if there's food, like, 10 yards away. But they're just going to continue in the same path they always travel and hope they find more food, even though they've already eaten it all. Like, these are sheep. Like, they're timid. Like, they're very scared of things, but they're also extremely stubborn. Uh, So it's, like, really hard for them to to get them to do things sometimes. And, okay, my favorite thing about sheep uh, that I learned this week is, I, I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's called casting. So essentially what happens is these sheep, especially when they're, like, healthy, um, which means fat, plump, uh, or, like, have a lot of wool on them, every now and then they'll lay down in a little divot or anything, and then to stretch their legs, they'll lay on their side a little bit and stretch their legs. And something happens in this moment where their center of gravity changes and they are no longer on their feet. And when sheep are no longer on their feet, they, they freak out, right? Like they panic. And so they like scratch and all this stuff and like kick their legs around and then they end up on their back. And they will literally die there because they cannot do anything to get them on their feet unless a shepherd comes and picks them up and puts them back on their feet. That's sheep, right? And the most flattering thing about sheep is sheep are referred to over and over through Scripture, and they relate to humanity. Makes us feel good. It's tough. It's really, it is really tough, right? These sheep, even though they are just, they live on the struggle bus, they are what Jesus looks at us and sees. And in this time, in this culture, when he's saying the things that he's about to say in John 10, they know what sheep are. They know sheep are a very, like, frustrating animal. Like, they don't get out of the way when you tell them to. They're very dumb. But they're also very valuable. And these sheep, while they are not the most, you know, the best animal to be compared to, it's what Scripture over and over and over again says we are. Sheep is actually the number one mentioned animal in the Bible. Um, that's just a fun fact for you. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. Um, but so tonight, we're looking at sheep and how they are completely helpless without a shepherd and what a shepherd does for them. 
we're looking at these two item statements of I am the door and I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And as we look at these two statements, uh, I'm going to pull out three characteristics of the good shepherd and what he is. Um, and then also three ways that we can respond to the good shepherd. So last week we covered in chapter eight, um, we covered I am the light of the world, right? Um, that was the last I am statement we covered. And then in chapter nine, what happens in the book of John, uh, Jesus heals a blind man that was blind from birth, which causes a lot of issues in their society um, because Jesus does this on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, therefore, are very upset about it. And they are arguing, saying this man's from Satan. And then there's another group that's saying no one but God can heal the blind man. So there's these two, two groups that are basically fighting it out. One of them saying that Jesus is from Satan and the other one saying that he is from God. And at the end of this story, the blind man looks at Jesus, or Jesus looks at the blind man and says, will you worship the Son of God? And he said, who is it? And he said, you're looking at him. And then he worships him. And that's what is preceding us as we enter into John chapter 10 tonight. So we'll be in John chapter 10, verses, starting in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was, uh, excuse me, he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We'll pause right there. This is a really well-known passage of Scripture, um, and we're going to have to just dive into the context here. Because as 21st century Americans, we know very little about sheep. I mean, is that true? Y'all know a lot about sheep? Absolutely not. Cool. All right, so we're going to walk through a lot of what just was said by Jesus um, as we dive into this text. So he opens up and basically says, all right, there's a thief that gets into this sheepfold. Okay, so what's a sheepfold? That's important to know because it's very central to the text, right? Um, Essentially what a sheepfold is is just a pen. Um, so there's like two types. There's one they have out in the field, out in the pasture, really small, just for their flock of sheep. And then there is a, a communal sheepfold, which is essentially in town. It's in the city. And all of the people put their sheep in this thing. And it's, a, it's an area. It's like a courtyard um, surrounded by rocks that make a wall around it, right? And then there's this one area, probably about yay wide, where the sheep come in and out. And in this area, at night, once the people bring their sheep, put them in there, there's what we call a gatekeeper usually, especially if it's a communal one. And they'd hire this guy essentially to make sure the sheep don't leave and nothing gets into the pen. And so as he says, like, the the thieves will not be entering in through the gate, right, because there's a gatekeeper there, but the shepherd will. And the shepherd, he enters into the gatekeeper, or the gate, excuse me, 
and he walks in the next day, right? He put his sheep up that are in this corral thing, and then he goes in to get them again. And what he does, so it's a group of sheep. Not all of them are his. There's multiple different groups in there. And to get his sheep out, he calls them each individually by name. Their names are usually like some sort of characteristic. So if they have long ears, it would be long ear. You know, if it had a brown nose, it would be brown nose. Um, and that would be the names of these sheep. And this shepherd knew each of his sheep by name, and he would call them out, and the sheep would respond. The sheep would say, that's my shepherd. I'm going with him, which is a really cool relationship. And it digs into, as we continue through the text, as Jesus eventually, we haven't gotten there yet, he calls himself the good shepherd. And as he calls himself the good shepherd, one of the characteristics that he has is that he knows his sheep, that he knows his sheep. So after he talks through all of these things and gives us this kind of this background, the people essentially look at him and say, we don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, we don't know what's going on. Like, we know all about sheep. We know all about the context of what you're saying, but we don't know what you're actually saying. So he is showing them through this, this illustration and through this, just this iconic picture of who Jesus is, he's showing them that he knows his sheep very well. He knows his sheep by name. He has an intimate relationship with them. So one thing that, I think it was in college when somebody told me this, it was one of my friends, I looked it up, it's actually a quote by somebody else, so I gave my friend credit for this for years, um, but I looked it up this week and it's not his quote. Um, it's some, by some guy named Dale Carnegie, and he's like a writer, author, business guy, um, but he says the phrase, the sweetest sound of someone's ears is their own name. The sweetest sound to someone's ears are their own name. So essentially what he's saying here is when someone says your name, it has a huge impact. It has a huge impact because that person knows you. That person cares about you. That person took enough time to remember who you were. You were known by them. And so when someone says your name, your identity, who you are, that it's the sweetest sound to your own ears. And this quote by Dale Carnegie really gives us insight into this whole phrase about Jesus knowing his sheep by name. He doesn't just know them by name because he has to. He knows them by name because he chooses to care for them. He chooses to love them and to know them intimately. A, a relationship between a shepherd and a sheep was a very personal one because they spent literally all of their days together. The only time they were apart was at night. And even sometimes they weren't apart at night. Because sometimes they're out in the pasture, right? And they set up one of these other corrals and they sleep with them. It's one of those relationships that, like, I don't even know what to compare it to in today's society. But essentially, like, these, these shepherds and these sheep know each other more than anything. And Jesus is trying to point out to us that he knows us as well as the shepherd knows the sheep. It's not just by name. It's not just like we know who we are, but he knows us intimately. He knows our characteristics. He knows everything about us. He cares deeply about us. We see in another parable, um, and the lost sheep, right? So Jesus is another parable where he's saying he's the good shepherd, and there's a hundred sheep, and one of these sheep leaves the fold, leaves the flock, and goes off by its own. He cares enough to leave the 99 together so he can go and get the one. That's how much he cares about you and I here today. 
He cares about us so much that he would risk everything for us. So the good shepherd cares about us. He knows us by name. The second characteristic we see about the good shepherd is that he doesn't only know his sheep, but he leads them and goes before them. He leads them and goes before them. We see this in verse 3 and 4. It says, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In this, in this passage and in these verses, we see that as he calls these sheep out of this corral, as he calls them out by name, he not only just says, all right, good luck, but he goes before them. Because sheep and shepherds in this time, the sheep would follow directly behind the shepherd. Because the shepherd would lead the way, he would go to the green pasture, he would go to the creek, he would be the one that was walking in front and setting the example for the sheep. And just like that, Jesus is the same way for us. He has gone before, and he is setting an example for us. He set an example that we are to follow, that we are to walk down. His path that he set is a good path because we know our shepherd is a good shepherd. And just like these sheep, like they will literally, if you walk them off a hill, they will fall off the hill. We are to be that obedient in our walk with the Lord. Because we know our shepherd is not going to walk us off a hill. He leads them and goes before them. Jesus is not someone who is going to ask us to do something that he has never done. Just like this shepherd is not going to ask the sheep to do something that he wouldn't be willing to go. We see in Psalms 23 another example of the Lord being a good shepherd. You can flip there real quick. We'll be there for a second. Psalms 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This example of a good shepherd is exactly who Jesus is for us. He not only cares about us, he not only knows us, but he provides for us. He takes us to the green pasture. He takes us where we need to go. He gives us a place to rest. He gives us a place to be comforted by him. He leads us where we need to be. So the question is, are we going to follow him there? He leads us to restoration. He leads us down paths of righteousness. Are we going to walk behind him? In verse 9 and 10, we see him shift from saying, like, he is the good shepherd, to make a, a very interesting quote, honestly, uh, that the people were not expecting. Uh, like, if anything, they were expecting him to say that I am a good shepherd. We get that later on. But in John chapter 10, Verse 9, sorry, I'm trying to get there. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
what on earth does that mean, <laughs> right? So what does it mean that he is saying that I am the door? Remember our context, right? He's talking about a sheepfold. And a sheepfold doesn't actually have a gate like we do today. It doesn't actually have a door that you can open and close. When he is saying, I am the door, he is saying that I am going to stand in between. I am going to stand in between the gap in the wall, and I am going to protect you. I'm going to guide you. And only through me can you enter into salvation. By saying, I am the door, he is saying, I am the only way that you are going to get in. And not only am I the only way that you're going to end, but once you're in, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. And I'm also going to lead you back out. I'm going to lead you back out to pasture. I'm going to lead you back out to what, the, what you need. Because that's what Jesus does for us. He leads us where we need to be. He protects us and he guides us. He not only promises eternal life for us. He doesn't only promise salvation for us, but in verse 10, we see that he promises life and life abundantly. While the thief brings death and he brings, he's, try, he's there to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I am here so that you can have life and life abundantly. This is a very crazy promise that Jesus places right here, because he's essentially saying, once you enter into the door, once you come through me to salvation, once you place your faith in me for salvation, then I'm going to give you life and life abundantly. You are going to have the best life even though you are a sheep. Even though you are, are, are dumb, even though you make mistakes, even though you are prone to wander, I am going to give you the best life that you can have here. I'm going to fulfill you spiritually like you will never even guess could be possible. I am going to give you life and life abundantly. This doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be rich, right? This doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have all of the possessions that we want. But Jesus saying that you're going to have life and life abundantly, this means we're not called to this dull, dying, miserable life. We're not, we're not here to just be these martyrs. We're here to be people that follow Jesus and are abundant in our fulfillment and our joy and our purpose. Because we have a relationship with the Good Shepherd. We have a relationship with him, and that is so good. That is life and life abundant. It's fulfillment that we have through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we've seen so far in the text that the good shepherd knows his sheep. He not only knows his sheep, but he leads them and goes before them. And lastly, he lays down his life for his sheep. Let's pick up in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. So the third and final thing we see is that a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So Jesus introduces a new character 
uh, in verse 11. He, he brings this guy in who's a hired hand. And essentially, it's just someone who is hired to watch the sheep, right? To hire to be a shepherd. But this person has no relationship with the sheep. He doesn't own the sheep. So when trouble comes, when death comes to his table, he's out of there. He wants the sheep to die because he wants to live. But a good shepherd doesn't want that. A good shepherd would lay down his own life for his sheep. So when the wolf comes, he would fight it off. So when the wolf comes, he would be there for his sheep and he would die for them because that's how much he cares about them. Which is exactly what our good shepherd did. Is he came to this earth so that we might have life and life abundantly because he lived a perfect life. And not only was his death sacrificial, but his life as well. Because in his death, he died for us on the cross. He gave it up for us. This is a really important theological point that is just thrown into this, this parable, essentially. Is that Jesus is saying that I, did not, I was not killed on the cross. The Jews and the Romans did not kill me on the cross. I gave up my life on the cross. This is important for a couple of reasons. Because if Jesus was killed, he would not be sovereign over his life and his death. But the fact that he gave up his life means that he is sovereign over even his own life. And he is not only sovereign over his own life, but he is also willing and able to raise his life back up again. This shows us that he did give up his life. But in his resurrection, he also had authority over death, claiming victory over death and sin, proving his deity, proving that he was not only man, but he was God as well. This is a really important fact for us because he is willing to lay down his life for us. He was not killed. He chose to die for us. He was not just put on a cross and hung there and said it was for us, but he voluntarily went to the cross and gave up his life for us. That's what love is. That's what care is. That's what compassion is. And Jesus shows that through his life and his death to his people. He says, I am coming for them, even if they never turn to me. I am coming to die for them, even if they never look for me. He voluntarily gave up his life. He voluntarily just gave everything so that we might have life. He chose to die, which demonstrates his great love and compassion for us. Guys, this good shepherd that we see pictured in this chapter is just so amazing. It's someone who is willing to die for us, who cares for us, who knows us by name, who knows us intimately, knows us closely. So the question is, how are we going to respond to these facts? How are we going to respond to the good shepherd and the qualities that he has? So what do the sheep do, right? That's the question we have to ask ourselves, and we're going to continue through the text and see what the sheep do, what the sheep do in response to the good shepherd. The first thing the sheep do is hear the shepherd's voice. They hear the shepherd's voice. We see this in 3 through 5 as well. It says, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This is so important for us to understand. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. And just like the sheep know the shepherd's voice, we are to know our Savior's voice. We are to know when he's speaking to us. We are to know what his voice sounds like. Because there is a thief and a robber out there who is going to come and try to steal, kill, and destroy. 
and we have to know and discern between the two voices. And we live in a world where there is hundreds of voices that we have to discern between. And the only way that we can know our shepherd's voice is to spend time with him, is to spend time in his word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in his church. Because if we don't spend time with the shepherd, we're not going to hear his voice. We're not going to know his voice. And not only do we hear his voice, not only must we spend time with him in order to know what he wants for us, but we must also follow the shepherd. The sheep must follow the shepherd. They hear his voice. They hear him calling out to them. And they take the first step and say, that's my shepherd, I'm going. Wherever he goes, I am going. Wherever he goes, I am there because I know who my good shepherd is and he is worthy of following. I know my good shepherd is going to bring me to green pastures. I know he's going to bring me to still waters. I know he's going to bring me through the valley of the shadow of death if that's where we're at because he is with us. He is there to comfort us. We are to follow the example that Christ has set before us. The example of him going and him living his life here on earth That is the example. That is who we are supposed to live like. The sheep were walking behind the shepherd, but we are to walk with the shepherd. We are to walk with him and follow his steps, follow his character, follow his voice, and be faithfully obedient to everything that he calls us to do. In order to be faithfully obedient to everything he calls us to do, we must first know his voice, and then we must follow the shepherd. And the last thing the sheep know is that they know the shepherd. We see this in verse 10. It says the, oh, excuse me, not 10. I got it. Uh, So verse 14, excuse me. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is an intimate knowledge of who Jesus is. The sheep know the shepherd. They know his voice. They know his steps. They know where he, who he is. And we as people are to know the shepherd. If that means we have never known the shepherd, if we never walked in faith and followed him through the door, we need to do that here tonight. We must enter through the door because he has laid down his life and given us an opportunity to have life. So the question is, have we entered into a relationship with him? Have we truly known who the good shepherd is? And if we have entered into a relationship with him, are we truly spending time with him? Are we truly getting to know who Christ is? Because it's through Christ alone that we can enter into his flock. And he not only brings, in verse 16, we see that he not only brings the Jews, but he brings the Gentiles, which is thankful for all of us because that's where we are. We are the sheep of another flock that he brings into his own. We are the sheep of another fold that he cares enough for to go and die for. Once we enter into this flock, we need to follow him. We need to live in fellowship with him because we know he protects us. We know he provides for us. We know he guides and cares deeply for us because the good shepherd is so, so good to us. The good shepherd is is so worthy of following. He's so worthy of knowing And if you do not know him here today, I pray that you do before you leave these doors. Because he is so, so good. As we conclude tonight, uh, I want to just kind of finish with a quote 
Um, I think that it just sums up everything that we've kind of gone through. Um, so this word good um, that we've been using all the night as we've looked at the good shepherd, it really means beautiful. It means excellent. It means just amazingly good, amazingly beautiful. And Charles Spurgeon, he, he, when he's studying this passage, he said this about Jesus. He says, there is more in Jesus, the good shepherd, than you can pack away in a shepherd. He is the good, the great, the chief shepherd, but he is much, much more. Emblems to set him forth may be multiplied as the drops of the morning, but the whole multitude will fail to reflect all of his brightness. Creation is too small a frame in which to hang his likeness. Human thought is too contracted. Human speech is too feeble to set him forth to the full. He is inconceivably above our conceptions, unutterably above our utterances. Yes, Jesus is the good shepherd, but Jesus is so much more than that. So much more than words could ever say, so much more than thoughts could ever think, because he is greater than creation itself. He is worthy of knowing. He is so, so beautiful. So the question is, do we truly know the good shepherd? Do we truly know this Jesus that is so much better than just the shepherd? Do we truly know this Jesus, and do we truly follow after him? If you've never entered into this relationship with the good shepherd, who knows us and cares for us and is willing to lay down his life for us, I pray that you submit to him today. I pray that you place your faith in him tonight. And if you are already a part of his flock, if you are already a part of, of the fold that he has, do we know his voice? Do we know what he is calling us to do? And are we faithfully, obediently following wherever he would lead? So that we can live a life that is life and life abundant.